0: in losers we're going podcasting hear about our trip to mean girls today on the The twins Twins on on tour Tour podcast Podcast. hi i'm julie book i'm jenny bradley and this is the the twins Twins on on tour Tour podcast Podcast. and today we're going to be talking about our trip to see the non-equity tour of mean girls the musical we went on Tuesday, November fourteenth, and saw it at E.J. Thomas Hall at the University of Akron. And this was not our first time seeing Mean Girls the musical. We actually saw it in Cleveland, the first national tour, back in twenty nineteen. Yes, it was our second to last show before the COVID shutdown. And both of us are huge fans of Mean Girls. Just yes. want to say that right off the bat, mm-hmm. the movie. I was a huge fan when the musical came out. I think the adaptation for the most part, is really good. So it is a musical, obviously, because it is here on the Twins on Tour podcast. <laughs> it was written by Jeff Richmond, who was a writer for Saturday Night Live and 30 Rock and is also married to the one and only Tina Fey, so go him. Yeah. And lyrics were by Nell Benjamin, who did a lot of the lyrics for Legally Blonde, the musical, another cult favorite of ours. Another book twin favorite. Yes. <laughs> another chef's kiss. Mwah. Mwah from the book twins and the book of course was by Tina Fey. It is based off of the 2004 film Mean Girls, obviously, which was also written by Tina Fey and produced by Lorne Michaels of Saturday Night Live fame. Mm -hmm. And the movie Mean Girls was also based off of a 2002 book, Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. So do you remember when we were in like sixth grade and we had like- Fifth grade. Fifth grade. Mm -hmm. One of those like, don't bully each other meetings. And the lady went on some like 15 minute long tangent about how Mean Girls the movie was the worst thing to ever happen. Because the book that it's based on is nothing like the movie. Like it was very a very loose adaptation, but that's where Tina Fey got the inspiration, so she had to cite it. Okay, but see, yeah, yeah, I remember she, this lady went nutsy cuckoo about how how terrible Mean Girls was. See, I don't remember her going about how terrible it was. I remember the year before when we were in fifth grade right before mean girls the movie came out and she went on how she was so excited for her daughters to go see this movie because they were going to learn about how clicks were bad oh and god how being a good, nice girl would make you finish first and like every, all of us were like wow like we should talk our parents into letting us go see this pg-13 movie and the next year now i remember that she came in and was like i cannot believe i was telling kids to go see this movie because it was not what she thought it was gonna be yeah. she read obviously queen bees and wannabes and thought this was gonna be like a a, a cautionary tale. Yes, it Aha. was going to be a cautionary tale of, like, don't fall into cliques. And everyone was just like, I want to be Regina George. <laughs> Regina George serving all the time. Yeah, the original serve. <laughs> Yeah, so the musical adaptation of Mean Girls was in development by 2013. The news was officially leaked on October 3rd, 2016, October 3rd aka Mean Girls Day for fans of the movies, you know, on October 3rd. He, he asked me what day, day it, was. it was. It's October 3rd. It was confirmed on Mean Girls Day that the musical was a real thing and it would have its premiere in Washington D.C. in the fall of 2017. It made its world premiere at the National Theater in Washington D.C. on October 31st, 2017, and and ran through December 3rd of that year Casey Nicola, who's done a ton of stuff on Broadway recently Most notably The Book of Mormon Which won so many Tonys yes. the year it came out Yes Was the director and choreographer for the show Costumes were by Greg Barnes Who did Some Like It Hot on Broadway last year Scenic design by Scott Pask, who did Hair Video design by Finn Ross Who does the production stuff for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child Which I just saw is going on national tour Is it? If it comes to Cleveland, I might actually die I know That'd be exciting yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, Jenny and I are Harry Potter adults, but my whole classroom is Harry Potter-themed, so yep. that I literally might die if that happens. And Adam Young also assisted on video design, lighting by Kenneth Posner, who did Hairspray, and sound by Brian Ronan. Mean Girls began its previews on Broadway at the August Wilson Theater on March 12, 2018, before officially opening on April 8th of 2018. The cast was led by Erica Henningsen, who played Katie Heron, Taylor Latterman from Bring It On fame as Regina George... Barrett Wilbert-Weed from Heathers as Janice Sarkeesian. Gray Henson as Damian Hubbard. Ashley Park from The King and I as Gretchen Wieners. Kate Rockwell, who was also in Legally Blonde, as Karen Smith. Kyle Selig as Aaron Samuels. And Carrie Butler, the original Penny Pingleton from Hairspray, played the trifecta roles of Ms. Norbury, Mrs. George, and Mrs. Heron. The show was nominated for 12 Tonys, including Best Actress for Louderman, Best Supporting Actor for Gray Henson, and Best Supporting Actress for Ashley Park. However, the show won zero Tonys, not even book of a musical for Tina Fey, which everyone who was anyone thought mm-hmm. she had a lock on that, including me. I was very upset when she yes. did win best book of a musical, but it lost a majority to The Band's Visit. And anyone who has listened to any episode of this podcast knows we hate The Band's Visit. Yeah, it also sparked a huge conversation online after that year's Tony's about how Commercial theater So Mean Girls is considered more commercial because it's based off a movie I don't want to say not as serious Mm -hmm. Because like The Band's Visit was It was considered like a more artsy, serious piece And it sparked a huge conversation Mean Girls the musical was extremely popular with young people The demographic that's really hard for Broadway to reach nowadays So Mm -hmm. people were like you're kind of just flipping off and like, "Hey, f you, kids!" To all all the people who were liking commercial shows, especially because that year was pretty polarizing. It was the band's visit on one side, and then you had Mean Girls and SpongeBob on the other yeah. side, which again, super popular with y- a younger audience. And that was when we talked about where Ethan Slater absolutely should have won a Tony. It sounds weird to say it; he should have won a Tony for playing SpongeBob SquarePants. He would not win a Tony for Best Husband, though. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> on bikes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, personal life of him aside, yeah, it was a huge controversy that it brought that in the commercial versus more serious because Mm -hmm. while SpongeBob, no, should not have won any Tonys except for that, Ethan Slater worked his butt off as SpongeBob SquarePants and no, it was not a Pulitzer Prize winning book or libretto or anything like that. But Ethan Slater played that role so well, better than any other leading actor that year, and a lot of people t- said Tony Shaloub won solely because of name recognition mm-hmm. and because he was in the band's visit. Yeah. yeah, which I don't think is necessarily what should win you a Tony. Yeah, his understudy was on more than he was. Exactly. So his allegedly, understudy- allegedly, allegedly, yeah. So due to the COVID-19 pandemic obviously shut down all Broadway theaters and theaters across the world, the show halted performances on March 11th, 2020. It was later announced on January 7th, 2021, that Mean Girls had closed permanently and would not reopen after the pandemic, playing 833 performances. Didn't Sabrina Carpenter only get to do, like, one show as Katie Heron? Yeah, that's the thing. They had a huge cast turnover, so a lot of the original cast took their final bows, and I think the new cast got two performances. Before they shut down. Before they shut down. So Yeah, could you imagine, like, oh, I made my Broadway debut. I'm so excited. This is gonna be great. And then literally a day or two later, it's just like, nope, never mind. Yep, bye. And then you sit there, like, the whole... Pandemic, like I'm gonna be back, I'm gonna win, blah blah blah, and then it's just like, nope, no, you're not. Shows closed. Shows closed. Sorry, folks. Sh- yeah. Shows closed. Moves out front. She told you. <laughs> last year they actually announced that there would be a film adaptation of the musical mean Girls. so the movie turned into a musical now it's turning into a movie musical mm-hmm. it is starring renee rapp who had taken over as regina george on broadway a little bit before the show shut mm-hmm. down taking over for taylor Lautner. she is going to play regina george in the film i think she's the only broadway cast member that is in the film Yeah, there's cameos by a couple of people. I know, I know, like Ashley Park has a cameo as like the French teacher. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she she is the only one who is playing one of the principal roles that she played in the show on Broadway. Yeah, I know that there's a huge thing right now about when the trailer for Mean Girls, the movie musical, dropped. Yeah, there was a lot of confusion. For those who don't know, it's not just like a reboot of Mean Girls. It's a film version of the musical. So there's going to be a lot of people going in expecting to see Mean Girls, and they're going to be real confused when they start singing all the time during it. Yeah, because they use an Olivia Rodrigo song in the preview. Not any song from Mean Girls. I think there's one line of Renee Rapp singing, like, the My Name is Regina George line. Yeah, Someone can feel like, oh, maybe she's just saying that in a sing-songy voice. Well, especially since Renee Rapp is a pretty recognizable name now. Her debut album came out this year. A lot of people thought she got snubbed for Best New Artist for the Grammys. Yeah. I don't get why they're not advertising it as a musical. I don't know if they think, like, we're going to screw ourselves if we do that. What my opinion, at least, is it's turning off a lot of the theater kids like us. Like, why are you ashamed that it's a musical, Mm -hmm. guys? Yeah. You're doing a disservice to your talent that you have in the musical by not featuring any of their vocals in the trailer. Yeah. And I think that's a similar thing. I know, like, the Wonka movie right now. Yeah. I'm not sure why movie musicals are not advertising themselves as movie musicals. Because I feel like if there's one thing people will be very vocal about not liking is if they go in expecting a regular movie and it's a musical. I mean, look at the last Hunger Games. It was critically acclaimed, but a lot of people online were like, what is this, like high school musical Hunger Games version? Yeah. Even though it's called the ballad of songbirds and snakes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Musicals are for, I'm not going to say a niche audience, but it's a more narrow audience than the wider film audience. That's not a controversial statement. No, not at all. But- I don't think it's doing anyone a service to act like something is not a musical when it is. Because, absolutely, I think that'll be the number one complaint you hear is, I didn't know it was a musical going in, and I wouldn't have saw it if I would have known it was a musical. Mm -hmm. Because I hate musicals. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because there are some people who are, no matter what it is, it could literally be their favorite person on earth singing, and they would just be like, I'm not going to watch this musical. It's a musical. I hate musicals. So- The fact that the only clue you have so far that it's a musical is her saying, my name is Regina George, and that the A in mean has a music note in it, that's the only two clues people have that this is a musical. I feel like, oh, it's about band kids? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it really could be anything. All right, so let's get into our review and recap of Mean Girls, the musical that we saw in Akron. Like we said, this is a non-equity tour, so a lot of these people, this is their first big tour which Mm -hmm. is cool we had a lot of people who were like oh i'm making my tour debut which is always cool to see that is exciting for a two-day stay in akron i thought the cast was very energetic they were yeah we had natalie shaw playing katie we had Maya Petropoulos playing Regina George, Kristen Amanda Smith playing Gretchen Wieners, Mary Rose Brendel playing Karen Smith, Alexis Morera playing Jenna Sarkesian, Ethan G. Cook playing Damian Hubbard, and then the adult women were played by Kristen Segio. uh Joseph Torres as Aaron Samuel, Sean Matthews was Kevin G., and rounding out the principal cast was Justin Phillips as Mr. Duval. want to say right off the bat, you could tell some of these people were really young. Mm-hmm. Ethan G. Cook especially, like, he looked like he could be in high school Yeah. Still. I will say, except for the adult women, because Kristen obviously is a younger actress on a non-equity mm-hmm. tour. She's playing much older than she actually is. Yeah, and I think at times you could really tell that, like, she probably understudies some of the plastics. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, huh? You're like maybe maybe tops ten months older than Regina, Regina's mom. Yeah. So that was kind of funny to me. But Mean Girls, the musical, follows the same timeline as the movie, Mm -hmm. where it starts in Africa. And I think the opening number for Mean Girls, It Roars, is kind of interesting because from the Broadway recording to the end of the Broadway run, they changed that song. Multiple times. Multiple times, which is weird because usually once a show is frozen to go on Mm -hmm. onto Broadway, you don't change anything. I'm not sure why they rewrote it. I don't like the new version. I don't as either. Much. I, like, I like the version on the original cast recording. Yeah. I feel like it explained more. It made you know Katie a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think it was more It's just like a cut for time thing. Yeah. Because I will say there are several numbers in this show that absolutely could be cut and you wouldn't miss any kind of story. No. We'll get into some of those here in a bit. Katie starting out in Africa, goes to school, and immediately is like a fish out of water. One thing I do think is interesting, Janice and Damien are the narrators of this show. They come out like they're giving a freshman orientation. At the very beginning, and they're like, we're going to tell you this cautionary tale about it's easier to be mean than to be nice. And this is the cautionary tale of what happens when you fall for that kind of thing. Yeah. So I liked that. It wasn't just like, oh, we're just going to like start it just like the movie did they kind yeah. of made it where it had some sort of storyline yeah cuz in the in the movie Katie's the narrator so mm-hmm. you automatically side with her in anything that she does and this one you can kind of say like no Katie's kind of a bitch too yeah And I like that, too, because it kind of gives the excuse for why it's a musical, because Damien comes out doing, like, kick, lay out, So you can see that that would be, like, Damien's little sprinkle on this cautionary Mm -hmm. tale is the singing, because Janice is like, we're gonna talk about people getting hit by buses, and Damien's like, no, we're gonna sing! It's gonna be positive! Yeah. So I really did like that twist on it. It like Jenny said, it also gave that outside perspective of our main character, still our protagonist, but they're not—they're inherently flawed, like everybody. Yeah, I liked that. You meet Katie. She's going through class. I will say, from the first national tour where you had the giant screen with the projections. Mm -hmm. The sets in this show were a bit disappointing. Uh, yeah, they were a bit lackluster compared. Yeah. They had the literal exact same sets just without the screen Yeah. and the screen was like 80% of the set. Yeah. Cuz I know that there's we've talked about this before. There's always that argument of like do you need the screens? In Mean Girls, you need the screens. You need screens. the screens. When it makes up that much of your actual set, you need the screen. Absolutely. I always thought it was kind of funny. The plastics don't even come into one, two, three, four, five numbers into the show, Mm -hmm. which I think is funny. So like, if you're one of the plastics, everyone else is going off for places and you're like, oh, guess I should start my makeup now. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's kind of like we always talk about the princess track. Like for a while, the plastics kind of are a princess track. I might say Regina George is a princess track in this show. I think Regina George is a princess track. I know when Taylor Louderman got nominated for a Tony, a lot of people were like, she's on stage for a total of... It wasn't, like... well for example, like 12 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah, Erica Henningson is on stage for... Or was on stage for the entirety of the show, pretty much, and did mm-hmm. not get nominated for a Tony and Taylor Louderman. I mean, obviously, when you hear the music and see why... Vocally, Regina George is a very challenging part, mm-hmm. more challenging than any part in the show. Yeah. But yeah, considering on stage time, yeah, Regina is kind of a princess track. Yeah. She comes out, she belts her face off, she leaves for a while. Mm-hmm. Then she comes like on and belts her face off and leaves for a while. Mm-hmm. And like for part of it, she just gets to walk around in sweatpants. And I'm like, how nice that must I be know. <laughs> I will say, I did think Maya a little bit tried to emulate Taylor Louderman's spin on the role. I have that opinion as well. Some some of the not like she was doing an imitation per se, because you could tell she, she's a lovely voice mm-hmm. and she's an amazing belt, but yeah, some of some of the acting or lines that you may hear on the cast, I mean, you can tell she listened to it, like, over and over and mm-hmm. over, and so some of it, it was like, she's kind of, sat, like, she's kind of doing a Taylor Louderman impression. Because I know that was some things Ren- Renee Rapp had talked about, too, mm-hmm. where she said it was really hard for her because, obviously, she listened to the soundtrack so much to get ready for her role to not fall into just imitating Taylor Louderman, mm-hmm. and I think Maya did in some of these parts where- yeah. I don't think she would have made the same choices with her voice because her voice sounds vastly different from Taylor Lautner. It does. And I think at some points, like, the inflections during, like, the Meet the Plastics, like, the My Name is Regina George, like, sometimes you could tell she was trying too hard to hit that to sound yeah. like she was Taylor Lautner. Because, like, I, I've never read the book or seen the sheet music, but you know there's a note where they kind of have to say, like, Regina George, like, yeah. you know? But... I have heard other people do it and not sound exactly like Taylor Louderman. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that was one thing that as she's in this role more, because this is still a newer tour, I think she'll probably get more comfortable with it Mm -hmm. and move away from that. But I can understand why she sounds a lot like the soundtrack right now. So, You Meet the Plastics. I really did love all three plastics. I think Mary Rose Brendel as Karen was my favorite. I think she was mine too. Karen as a role is kind of written to be the huge comedic relief, steal the show in the scenes she's in because that is one reason why I thought Tina Fey would win a Tony for book because Karen is so... the audience by the end of the first act is absolutely in love with karen Mm -hmm. especially we'll get to her number in a few minutes but in meet the plastic she has this huge thing where she's building up i might not be smart and i you know i'm gonna try and blah 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 blah. and she goes my name is karen i may not be smart it hits this huge dun 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 that's it and (laughs) oh like that Every time brings the house down because it builds and builds and builds, and you think she's gonna just like belt your face off right there, and she just goes, "That's, That's it. it," and sits back down at like, her table, waddles back to her little seat. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. I will say, I really did like Alexis Maria as Janice and Ethan. Again, I thought their chemistry in all of their scenes. Yes. You can tell they're friends off stage. If they are not friends off stage, they are two of the best actors in the world, and we they need Oscars immediately. Yeah, yeah. I I'm like they're besties. I thought out of the whole principal cast, they had the best diction, especially because yeah. a lot of what they're doing is explaining things to the audience, mm-hmm. and it would be very easy if they didn't enunciate enough for you not to yes. understand what's happening. And if the, if you're new to the podcast, EJ Thomas is not not the best... No. Sometimes sound wise. It's it, not good it, for yeah. sound. No. Um so saying that Alexis and Ethan had really good enunciation, we could understand everything they were saying is probably one of the highest compliments we can pay to a show playing an EJ Thomas. Yeah. Because again I don't know what it is. If it's if, it, if it's music, if it, you're seeing like an orchestra or a band, like Blue Man Group, for example, mm-hmm. sounded amazing. Yeah, because they were trying a. to Thomas. talk over it. Yeah, and look, because how E.J. Thomas is, it has that retractable ceiling that goes up and down, so the music bounces off of it. Mm-hmm. It's not the best, though, when you have like the ceiling up, and you have someone singing, the vocals don't bounce off as fast as the music does. Mm -hmm. So it kind of gets a little jarbled to the ear. I will say, ever since moving up to the upper balcony this year, sound hasn't been as big of an issue, though. Yeah, I'll agree with that. So we meet the Plastics. Katie goes into her undercover mission of pretending to be a Plastic. And again, I think Apex Predator, which is a number that I think on this tour with the change from It Roars... And the change with no screens affected it because Katie goes through these periods like in the movie where she imagines the people acting like animals. Mm-hmm. And because we really didn't have the people in it roars acting like animals to for that visual. Because in the original Broadway production and in the first national tour, they had a little bit more time where they were showing pe- the kids who play high school students dressed up as animals and doing these movements. And then when she has those interludes, in real life, of her imagining them doing animalistic things, they're acting as the same animals. And we didn't have that in this show. Yeah, and some of the backdrops don't even have, like, animals, like, jumping around yeah. and stuff like that. So you could tell, like, she's imagining something that isn't real. So the animalistic movements did not make sense in this production. They didn't production. translate as well, no. They didn't translate because we didn't have the things going on on the screen to show us, like, oh, she's imagining something. Or we didn't have it in the beginning to see those people acting as those same animals. Mm-hmm. Because it was really easy in the beginning when there's a girl acting like she's an ostrich with a fake tail on. Mm-hmm. When she's doing the same thing, they're like, oh, okay, she's supposed to be that animal again. Yeah. And I thought in Apex Predator, we really did miss that because it was kind of weird. Because in Apex Predator, on the screens in the first national tour, you could see when things are moving in slow motion. Yeah. And in this, it kind of just looks like the plastics didn't know how to walk. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, what are they doing? doing because yeah because like, in apex predator went at the mall like the mall scene would move in slow motion behind mm-hmm. them and would kind of like tunnel in almost because mm-hmm. it was like that's what katie was focusing on is like the plastics in their walk yeah i agree that's what it was kind of like are they okay again it didn't translate super well in that number so you get kind of the insight like you do in the movie of katie going over to regina's house and, seeing... and her being a complete complete b to gretchen yeah and gretchen has this big song where she's talking about like what's wrong with me like why i'll Regina change love myself me? so you love me yeah which you're just like oh, and, oh such... baby no yeah, but you, you can't sad. interfere it's a canon event it is a canon event for high school girls which is sad yeah then we get into one of the funniest and one of my favorite numbers in the show which is sexy the i'm a mouse duh is one of the most iconic parts Of Mean Mm -hmm. Girls, the movie, and they give Karen her whole own Halloween number. And it's her saying, If I could change the world, I'd make it Halloween every single day. And also have world peace. And she's like, No, I should probably make world peace first. So then she walks, she goes, I'll start over. And she walks off the stage. And then the same interlude plays, and she walks out like, Hi. Yeah, like she literally starts the whole number over again, which is so funny. She walked all the way back off stage, walked all the way back on, and did the same exact pose and everything to restart her number which is really funny, and she talks about how, oh, you get to dress up as a hot girl for, like, one day a year, so, like, I'm gonna be sexy, because I can be whatever I want, and sexy. Yep. And so she goes through this whole thing of talking about all the different sexy costumes you can be. She does sexy Sexy. Eleanor Roosevelt. Sexy Rosa Parks. (laughs) Yeah, and then she's, I give you sexy corn, and it's this girl dressed as, like, a sexy piece of corn, and you're like, this is so- stupid but it's so funny because these girls have committed to being sexy and whatever yep. they want to be and at the end she does the I'm a mouse yeah. and it's just one of those things where it's, oh what a nice tie-in from the movie with yeah. one of the best lines from the mm-hmm. movie again Mary Rose Brendel her comedic timing is really yeah. great again it's not hard for Karen to steal the show with stuff like that but she really does Karen is a role where it probably is pretty easy to just kind of fall into just saying the lines. Mm -hmm. Actually committing to delivering the lines is a whole different thing and Mary Rose did very well at that. She did. You still also get the really great scene of Janice and Damien eating the popcorn and Katie coming in dressed like the Bride of Frankenstein and scaring the hell out of them. The two of them were so funny together. They were. And they have a whole big number called Revenge Party where it's them convincing Katie that they're going to ruin Regina George's life. So you need to like go undercover. Act like your friend still. She stole your man. Your line (laughs) is, it's a revenge party. A party that ends with someone's head on a spurt. I know. The whole thing, when you're listening to it, it's like, oh, this is bouncy. Then you listen to what they're saying and you're like, Oh Oh my my God." God. (laughs) <laughs> we then see the whole buildup of from the movie where it's from Halloween to Christmas, how they are slowly just starting to ruin Regina George's life. I do love they do shout out Glen Coco. They do. In Revenge Party. When they do the uh, the candy canes, they're like, four for you, Glen Coco. And the whole crowd goes, Glen Coco, Glen Coco, then Glen Coco. <laughs> Like, in a four-part harmony, Yeah, too. it sounds really great, but, like, everyone in the audience erupts in applause because they've mentioned Glenn Coco, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really cool. So, Regina's life is slowly getting worse and worse and worse, and you can see she's starting to wear sweatpants to school because they put this really big fake butt pad in, which is super funny-looking. Yeah. Like, you can tell they really exaggerate it. Yeah. Yeah. And we get into the end of act one, which is where there's one number where I'm like, okay, we could cut this. It's called Fearless. Yeah. It's where all of them realize that Regina doesn't have to run their life, which the message of the number is great. Yeah. It's right after the, you can't sit with us. Yeah. I think it's way too long. I think it could be half of what it is. Oh yeah. And it's just, okay, this, this doesn't need to be here. I get it. I just don't think it's an act one closing number. No, I agree. I think they could have just extended Revenge Party because I mean, Revenge Party is such a upbeat fun number that they really could have just kept carrying revenge mm-hmm. party and ended it with like another verse of revenge yeah. party and ended act one there with the same thing mm-hmm. happening because fearless is it's too long and it's yeah. not it's not memorable yeah especially as your act one closer when you look at other act one closers you know one day more and defying gravity it's just like this is what you picked yeah but then you look at others like hamilton for example i will staunchly say every time yorktown should be it the should be. close of act one mm-hmm. every time and then you like you're like i don't care that he's doing a murder trial. i'm like i can run through a wall after of Yorktown, <laughs> and then i'm immediately like put back in my seat like oh Okay. That's kind of what this was, like revenge for like, yeah, we're gonna ruin our life. And then they're like, Let's have like a nice song where we talk about how our lives have changed. And I'm like, Eh, I don't want my life to have changed. I wanna run through. I the want wall. to have head on a spy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you open act two with Janice and Damien and basically reminding you that they're your narrators and yeah. that this is supposed to be a cautionary tale. Because at the end of Act One, you would, you did in the movie, be like, Oh, Katie's right and everything's great and she's perfect and they're like, No 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 no, friends, remember this is a cautionary tale. Yep. Which is nice. We then have Damien's big number called Stop, which is one of the funniest ones in the show. Yeah. My my hot take. I think World Burn is the best song in the second act. Mm -hmm. Stop is the second best song in the second act. Oh see I think I'd rather be me is better than stop. See I I like stop because it's like jazzy and there's yeah, tap. There's and all, tap. You know? I do love the dance break in stop. It's basically Damien being like, "Hey, Aaron Samuels doesn't want to date you. Stop embarrassing yourself." Like there's a bunch of different examples that the female ensemble gives. Yeah. One girl was like, "Make sure you check the spelling if you're going to get a Chinese character tattoo because mine says bucket." You just need to take a second. Stop. Evaluate your actions which is great. I really do. I thought the dance break in the show. I'm kind of happy you'll see that happen with shows sometimes where they will like water down the dance breaks. Mm-hmm. I'm happy they didn't in the show because a good tap number is always something I want to see. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the Golden Age lover in me comes out and I'm like a good tap number is what this show needs. It's jazzy. We got to bring in some jazz. Get Give it, it some jazz. There you go. A true twin moment yes. on the Twins on Tour podcast. Our episode of The Prom is now streaming. It's been streaming for two I, years. I, I, I know. You've got to plug it when you I'm can. I'm sorry. If they're listening to this, they have already passed The Prom. You, you are, never know. You are you telling never them know. to go backwards. You never know. Katie is becoming more and more mean. She's ditching her friends. She's not doing things with her parents. Yada, yada, yada. to her parents. Yeah. And this is where we get a couple of those numbers. Basically, one, two, three in a row what's wrong with me the reprise with gretchen and mrs george i will say mrs george's part of that number is pretty funny yeah one day you'll be a mom regina because in this one mrs george is the one who tells regina everything that's happening like oh katie's having a party in the movie it wasn't because i follow them on instagram that is one thing and that's another reason that the screens were pretty important in Mm -hmm. the first national tour and on broadway you would see the girls' phone screen. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you saw Mrs. George going, oh, my God, Katie's having a party. They would have a picture of the girls that were on stage that night, a, like, party at my house or whatever. Yeah. So, some of, it kind of took away from that, too, as well. All that information comes from Mrs. George, and she does a whole number where she's talking about one day you'll be a mom, Regina, and you'll have a daughter and you'll be her whole world and she's like and you'll be perfect but then she'll turn three and i don't know why that line is so so funny funny. she's like you'll be perfect and then she'll turn three you're like oh regina's been a tyrant since toddlerhood (laughs) toddlerhood. yeah and so that's really funny again i think it's too long (laughs) whose house is this i think completely could be cut i think that was just an excuse for them to be like kevin g needs a song yeah because they didn't do the kevin g rap the whole kevin g rap during the christmas show which I was kind of upset about. They also didn't do Jingle Bell Rock. They also didn't do Damien singing Christina Aguilera. I know. That is the biggest disappointment. Don't look at me. Yeah, that is the big... Okay, I get it. They didn't want to have to license Beautiful. Do a different song. Yeah. There are so many songs. Like, have him sing something from an aria, from a, a free-use opera or something. Yeah. But the fact that Damien didn't get a number, and I think that's another area where the screen was needed, because in... We're going backwards now, but this is fine. In the Christmas number... Regina's skirt falls off because Mm -hmm. she's gained so much weight and you see that big fake butt which is really funny in the first national tour and on Broadway you saw all these Instagram pictures and all of this stuff talking about it and like fake TikToks TikToks. In this, you just see the four girls on stage, and then people are talking about, oh, it blew up on social media, the power of social media. And it's like, but we don't see how it blew up. So you don't get the humor in it quite as Mm -hmm. much. Because really in any school, if someone's skirt pops off during a family Christmas show, like everyone's going to talk about it. So yeah, you didn't really see the whole, like you said, the power of social media because they're just talking about it. Yeah, Kevin G had like a little rap, but it wasn't the one from the movie, which I kind of was disappointed It was still funny. It was still funny, but I feel like the one from the movie, Tina Fey wrote, so why didn't they just use it? Yeah. But I think Whose House Is This was just an excuse to give Kevin G a number, and I don't think Kevin G needs a number. No. Because then you also see it him later during the math league competition. So Whose House Is This? I don't think it was a great number. I don't think it's needed in the show. Mm -hmm. More is better. Is boring. Well, who who was the TikTok kid? was Cameron Dallas or whatever. Oh, yes. So yeah, prior to the COVID shutdown, there was a period of time where Kyle Selig was stepping out to do another show. And so they're like, okay, cool. We're going to stunt Cass while he's out for 12 weeks. We're going to bring in former Vine sensation Cameron (laughs) Dallas, who was a part of MagCon, if you guys remember that period on Vine. Yeah. The problem is, is the boy couldn't sing. Usually, we had discussed it earlier, you don't usually change numbers. The only times that numbers get changed would be if a principal comes into the show show like for example, a lot of people say like, oh, when Sutton Foster's *Sweetie you Todd, are they going to lower the keys for her? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. That would be the only time. The music itself doesn't change. The key is just different. They had to change all the keys. They had to rework some numbers so Cameron Dallas wouldn't have to sing in them at all. I'm pretty sure they reworked more is better to where he barely sang. And the times that he did, people recorded it and it blew up on social media. That's the power of social media right there. We all learned that he was freaking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, Joseph of Taurus could sing. He, a, he, had a, he had a very nice voice and a very nice stage presence. I will say, though, he only gets to participate in numbers that are boring. Besides Stupid with Love, where Katie first meets Aaron, I think that number is super cute, but he doesn't even sing in that one, really. A lot of the second act could have been cut and made it more book-heavy, yeah. and I think it would have won Best musical. Kind of the musical. of It kind of sucks for Katie, and maybe that's why Erica Henningsen didn't get nominated for a Tony, is a lot of her songs are kind of boring. Natalie Shaw did, a, did a great job as Katie, though, but yeah, when you think of the mean girls musical show you think of regina first mm-hmm. and it's like you you probably shouldn't think of Re- you should think of katie first but regina gets better material in the show she does because regina george's song world burn oh my gosh that'll be the one you know how girls from our generation sing On My Own like Mm -hmm. every musical theater showcase soon it's gonna turn into every girl is singing World Burn because this is when Regina George copies the Burn book and gives it to the whole school and she's saying basically everyone loves Katie now instead of me I'm gonna set everyone's world on freaking fire I'm just gonna sit back and watch the world burn yeah and it is a belt your face off powerhouse that is what Taylor Latterman got nominated for a Tony for that is the number where Maya shined the most because that's where she sounded the least like Taylor Louderman. Yeah. was where you actually heard her voice. Maya sounded phenomenal during the she summer. She Her belt was great. Yeah. And that's what I liked. She made choices that were different And I liked that because you actually got to hear her voice and her take on Regina. I agreed to take earlier. I hope as time goes on, she gets a little more comfortable in the role and kind of adopts that the world burn attitude throughout her entire performance Mm -hmm. because she's very talented. And you get into the part where they're doing the girls workshop with Miss Norberry, And they they, really didn't change much from movie to musical in that part. And it was amazing. I feel like that's they didn't because... Tina Fey would have known that they would have come for her head because that's the most iconic part, that she doesn't even go here. Yeah, that that her whole, that the girl that doesn't go there, her whole soliloquy is exactly the same. And I was like, oh, she doesn't even go here. Damien has the same blue hoodie Damien and sunglasses. sunglasses on. And I think it's really funny in that number all of the male ensemble is dressed up as girls, and they just hang out in the back, and they're by Damien, and he's literally pointing, but like, she doesn't even go here. And they're like, oh my out she doesn't go here. Yeah, because <laughs> like, most of the male ensemble are the ones actually doing the trust fall catch. Yeah, and I just think that's really funny, especially during Janice's number, I'd Rather Be Me. I really do like that number. It's Janice's big number. I like that number a lot, too. Yeah, and it's basically her just saying, like, F you, Regina, and F you, Katie, because if you're gonna be a shitty friend to me, okay? I don't care, I'd rather be, I'd be, rather be me, me. than be your friend and the whole school gets behind Janice and they carry her out like they do in the movie of going like Janice Janice yeah. but it's all these boys carrying her and they're like Janice, Janice Janice like they committed they committed and they were so funny I found myself during that number watching the male uh-huh. ensemble like sashaying across stage and I'm like they're having so much fun they are <laughs> and I really liked that so after I would Rather Be Me you go into the part with the bus and it was Lackluster again compared to the screens It was literally a cardboard bus came out (laughs) With two flashlights in the front Yeah, Yeah. Which I mean was better than some things I've seen But again (coughs) it was cooler on the screen Where you had like an actual bus drive across stage Mm And the fallout where Katie admits to writing the Burn book And they have her do the Mathletes competition I thought it was funny in the musical To add another layer of drama for absolutely no reason, that they were like, oh, Aaron Samuels is living outside of the school district, but uses his aunt's address. And they find out, and so they expel Aaron, because he's living outside of the school district, so he has to finish the year as a homeschool student. And I'm like, why was that whole plot point needed? He already got cheated on, we had to ruin his life more. Yeah, he got cheated on. The girl he then liked admitted to writing the bird book, and they're like, and you can't graduate! <laughs> Aha, Aaron! Yeah, I don't think that was needed, but whatever, so... His whole reason for seeing Katie redeem herself at the Mathlete's competition is because he had nothing else to do because he's (laughs) homeschooled. Like, I'm pretty sure they still would have let him go to Spring Fling if he had already bought the ticket. Ticket, Like, I mean, if they weren't going to cancel the DJ because they already paid for it, I feel like him showing up wasn't going to be their biggest issue. So, they have the whole Mathlete competition. I think Do This Thing is a little long, but whatever. I like it better than the other numbers we said should have gotten cut from Act 2. And then the closing number, again, I'm not a fan of it. It doesn't just, it doesn't have the punch that I look for in a closing number. Again, I think they could have done some kind of reprise of Revenge Party. Yeah. And that would have been better. About how, like, getting revenge isn't always the sweetest thing and how most of the time people who get revenge don't feel fulfilled in the end, you know? Yeah. That'd be a mouthful to say, but, I mean, they're pretty much lyrical geniuses. They they could figure it out. Plastic don't shine, glitter don't shine. I don't think that's, you know, the most hard-hitting lyrics we could have gotten. No, same. So, overall, I think the book part of this show is hand over fist stronger Yeah. than the music side there are some absolute bangers in this show, World Burn, Revenge Party that kind of stuff, I think overall this is a really great show if you're a fan of the movie you will like the musical a lot or love it I don't think you'll walk out disappointed because it is a really good adaptation. Yeah, compared to other movie to musical adaptations, I think it's better than Pretty Woman. I can't say, I I don't know if it's better than Beetlejuice, though. Both of those are great movie to musical adaptations. Mm-hmm. Anastasia is well. Anastasia is a great one as well, yes. Yeah, so I don't think if you're a fan of the movie, you would oh. be disappointed. <laughs> Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, though, no. is not. <laughs> Jenny, and her, I should—that's I, what I should get you for Christmas—a shirt that just says "I hate Charlie and the Chocolate Factory" the musical, you know. And I, I would wear it, and I'd post it on our social. <laughs> you wouldn't. Know. I would. a yep. Daily reminder. <laughs> I'm going to change our Twitter account's bio to "Rampant Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Musical Hater." You account. Absolutely, you're not I'm going not to YouTube so. now. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> but yeah, so overall, fun night at the theater. I don't think this production was as good as the first national tour. Mm. But hey, it's a non-neck tour, what can you do? The ask cast for? was very talented. It had nothing to do with the cast, no. in my opinion. No, they can't help that they Non-neck tours the don't have as big of a budget. Mm-mm. And they're not they're not gonna drag that screen around Mm-mm. when they're not getting union bid. No, no. Yeah. So our next episode will be part two of our Tudor history series, Ooh. covering Jane Seymour and Anna of Cleves. Yes. Then we will follow up with the next episode of the Tudor, wrapping that up with Catherine Howard and Catherine Parr, or Catherine Parr. Catherine Parr. And we will be back with a musical episode in January when we will review Mrs. Doubtfire, the Followed musical. very quickly by The share Show and Mamma Mia. Yeah, so we've we got have pretty much three in a row. Yeah, back to back to back pretty much. So don't worry, 2024 will bring plenty of Twins on Tour podcasts for you. Follow us on Twitter. At Twins on Tour 1. Follow us on TikTok at Twins on Tour 1 and Instagram the.twins.on.tour1 and Facebook the Twins on Tour Podcast. All right. I'm Julie Boak. I'm Jenny Bradley. And this is the the Twins Twins on Tour Tour Podcast. Podcast. Barrett Wilbur Weed. Barrett Wilbert Weed. That is such a tongue twister. It is.